0: Today is the last of our series of messages that we've been doing, considering the resources that God has been giving us. And I know that what I'm about to say might sound a little bit unusual, but I wonder what it would be like if last night, in the middle of the night, you woke up to find Jesus standing at the foot of your bed. Okay, well after the fear of that kind of came over you a little bit, you notice that he was holding something in his hand. He was holding a small box. And what if Jesus told you, this in this small box is something very important to me, and though you may not understand why, I want you to take care of it for the rest of your life. And then he left. Well, after he left, again, I think it, uh, there'd probably be some trembling, there'd probably be some fear, you know, you have that adrenaline rush when you kind of get in a situation that scares you, and then after that, you really start realizing how scared you really were, but after you got control of yourself a little bit, what do you think would be running through your mind? Wow. This thing, whatever it is, must be pretty important. And then the second thing I would think is, so why is he talking to me about it? Why did he come to me to do this? Whatever it is, what an honor that God would choose me to take care of whatever it is. I better take this seriously because I have a feeling that he's going to be checking on it again. Amen? He said it was important. He said I need to take care of it the rest of my life. I have a feeling he's going to ask me about that again someday. Well, that would be a strange experience, would it not? Because that is not the way that God has chosen to do His work in our lives. Primarily, God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. But I want you to know something. Just as real as if God came in your very bedroom last night and gave you a message, He has given us His message in His Word. He has given us a message about some things that are His that He has entrusted to us until our life is over. You see, the Bible over and over again emphasizes that God owns everything, and everything that we have is just His. He has entrusted to us what is His own for now, but one day we can be sure we are going to give an account for all that He has entrusted to our hands. He's going to call us to account of all that He's, He's given to us, uh, primarily, ultimately, what we've done with His Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, He's given us a lot, hasn't He? His son, Jesus, died on the cross for our sins. He paid a price that God expects us to respond to. God expects us to do something with that. And friend, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't worry about the rest of the accounting. The primary concern that God is going to have on that day is, do you know me? What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Did you ever receive him as your Savior? Did you ever experience the salvation and the cleansing and forgiveness that only he can give? But then after that, I believe God is going to call us into account for the rest of the stuff that He's placed in our hands. We might say that we are stewards, or in our language today, that we are managers of God's things. Let that soak in for just a little bit. One author says that this is one of the greatest missing teachings in the American church today the reminder to men and women that nothing we have belongs to us, it's God's. And one day, we will have to give an account to him for it. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been studying one of the primary aspects of the things that God... Now, God has given us more than money. But one of the biggest things that God has entrusted us with is financial resources. And we've talked about how those can be very dangerous on one side or how they can be very helpful on another. Now, again, I recognize that uh, maybe you're here for the first time this morning just the very mention of money bristle some of us but i would challenge you this morning that maybe if it does you might very well be one of the ones that god's wanting to speak to today otherwise i would say i think if you're here today and even trusted your whole life to god even your area finances i think you would probably your testimony would say praise god that i finally turned that over to him because when i did begin to turn that over to him then i began to see him working in a mighty way In my life. I saw him begin to draw me closer as a result of that. In fact, I heard somebody say the other day, you cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ without your money right. Wow. That's a big statement. The great Christian Andrew Murray once said, The world asks, What does a man own? Christ asks, how does he use it? God's not so concerned with what you have or how much of it that you have, but how do you use what you've been entrusted with. Well, that's our purpose today. If all that we have is God's and money is a part of that, if it can hurt us if we're not careful, if it can be a blessing to us if it's used rightly, how would God have us to manage his money? Well, I believe God's word teaches, first of all, that we should give it faithfully. Number one, that we should give it faithfully. Now, again, if you're a little more sensitive to the topic of money, you might say, well, I should have known you'd start out with that. Well, we're going to talk about some other areas as well. But I have to be honest with you, if we're faithful to God's word, when we're talking about the resources that God has entrusted to us, God starts where human beings usually end. We think about giving last. God talks about giving first. Because he says it's a key indicator of our heart for him and our trust in him Uh, I'd say probably most of us, tend to be more like the farmer who had the two cows. One day he went home and told his wife, honey, I've got great news. Our best cow has just given birth to to, to twin calves, one red and one white. He said, you know, I suddenly had a feeling and an impulse that we must dedicate one of those calves to the Lord. We'll bring them up together, and when the time comes to sell, we'll sell one, and we'll keep the proceeds, and we'll sell the other, and we'll give the proceeds to the Lord's work. His wife said, "Well, that's great, honey. Well, which one are you going to dedicate to the Lord?" He said, "Well, there's no need to bother about that right now. We'll treat them both in the same way, and when the time comes, we'll do as I say." And off he went. Well, a few months later, the man entered his kitchen, looking kind of miserable and unhappy and down, and. His wife asked him, said, honey, what's troubling you? He said, well, I've got bad news. The Lord's calf is dead. But she said, you, I thought you hadn't decided which one was the Lord's calf. He said, I told you, when the time was right, I would decide. Well, I've decided the Lord was to be the white one, and the white one has just died. The Lord's calf is dead. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> How how one of those calves dying helped that man to make his decision? God, I want to do this for you. But unfortunately, your calf has died. Listen to what God's Word says in Proverbs 3, verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. From the beginning of God's word, the pattern is clear. God calls us to give him the first and the best rather than giving him the leftovers. That's why when my family gets paid, when we receive increase, when God blesses us with more money, the first check that we write is our check to God, to the Lord's work. You know, isn't it interesting that Proverbs 3, 9 follows verses 5 through 8? Verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Isn't that interesting? In a passage, just before the God calls calls us to trust him first with all that he's given us, to trust him completely with all he's given us, he calls us, he challenges us to trust him because he knows that's going to be a struggle for us. Okay, so you say, okay, I'll do that. How should I start? What kind of direction would God give if that's the commitment? Well, first of all, the Bible speaks that we should start with what the Bible calls the tithe. Let me turn with you in Malachi chapter 3, Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. Now, you can just write these verses down and go back and look at them later. We're going to look at several this morning. But Malachi 3 says, "...will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me." But you say, well, God, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings?" You are cursed with a curse, God tells the nation of Israel, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. He says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Giving 10% to God's storehouse in the Old Testament, it was the temple. In the New Testament is the local church that is the starting point in our giving to god the bible says anything less is robbing from god now we may not like that language Maybe we might say well that makes me feel uncomfortable but you got to take that up with the lord that's what his word says his word says that if we are not giving the tithe to him then we are robbing god and that is serious isn't it but i got to share with you after the tithe the sky's the limit some people say well well, we don't have to tithe. The tithe is in the law in the Old Testament, but we're under grace. Well, first of all, according to Genesis fourteen twenty and Genesis 28, the tithe came way before the law. The tithe was what God had put in the heart of a person who loved him, was what that person would give back to God from all that God had given to them that God would give as a beginning point for his work in the world. And a question I always like to ask people is, if If that's the law, would grace give less than the law requires? We're under love. We're not under compulsion, are we? I mean, so if you want to make a point, you can say, yeah, we're not under the law, but would those who've been freed from the law give less than the law says is the minimum standard that the law would require? I think you've heard me share the example before. The law says I have to feed my kids. Well, that could be bread and water, right? (laughs) But I give them a little bit more than that because I... Love them. All right? That's kind of the idea that we're talking about here. The fact is there were several tithes and there were many offerings in the Old Testament. The tithe, a tenth of all that God has given us, is a starting point for us. It's a place to hang our hat. When we're wondering, God, what's a good idea of the kind of place that I start in my giving to you? God gives us that through the tithe. But I think that the great Christian thinker C. S. Lewis, the guy that many of you saw the Chronicles of Narnia, well, uh, unfortunately, that's all he's known for today, but he wrote a lot of really good things. He was, a, he, was a, he was a great thinker, an intelligent, brilliant man. But he said something about this. He says, I do not believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. Now, I want you to hear for the next few moments the heart behind what I'm going to say because I believe that if your heart is open to what we're going to say in these next few moments, it could really revolutionize some of our lives. In fact, it's been such a blessing for me over the last few weeks to hear so many of you say that you have made real adjustments in your life because God has been speaking to you about different areas of your life in regards to money. But he says this, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, whatever else is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities or our giving do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. And this guy's just a he just loves God and is just sharing from his heart what he what his sense of what God's speaking to him about this. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures excludes them. In fact, as as myself and my own family have sought the Lord on this, what one person said has really resonated with me, has really helped me, and maybe this will help you. I hope that it will help you. Somebody put it in regards to this. They put it in regards of three ways of looking at our giving. Should give, could give, and would give. Now, I want you to think about it for just a moment. The should give is what we just talked about, is the tithe, right? The should give is what God says that we should do, and if we're going to obey Him, that's what we would do. Should giving is based on obedience. But number two is could give. Could give is about sacrifice. If I look at my lifestyle, what are adjustments? What are sacrifices that I could make with the circumstances that I currently have that would allow me to give more, To God. That's could give. And then number three is would give. I can see the should. That's what God says. That's what you ought to give to me. I can see the could. That's because I love you, God. I want to make adjustments with what I'm currently doing, with what I currently see on the table. Here's the money that's available. Here's the resources that my family has available. If I change this or if I adjusted this or if we thought about this, I could see that happening. But would give is more talking about faith. I want to see God's grace working in and through my life. Listen, friend, this is what I believe could challenge some of us to take a next step. Maybe it's in finances, maybe it's in some other area of your life, but the next step, I believe, is to take into account things that I currently cannot calculate. It's stuff that is just not possible unless God does something special. So I began to say to God, Lord, if you will provide, this is what I would give. This is what I want to give. As we did our hope offering last year, <clears throat> this is an area my family grew and I've shared that with you very transparently. We've always, from the beginning, known what we should give. And we've, over the years, grown in what we could give. But then last year, as we thought about what we were going to give to the Lord in that particular area, we thought about the should, we thought about the could, and we felt pretty good about that that's where god wants us to be and as we began to pray about that god really challenged our hearts what would you do if i blessed you with even more can i tell you something we thought about a should give and we said no lord we'll move beyond that to a could give because of this special offering but then god began to challenge us with a would give and we trusted him for something that we've never trusted him before and can i tell you he came through i'm telling you My family learned something last year. We learned that we ought to trust God for more than we can see. Did you hear that statement? We ought to trust God for more than we can see. Now, again, I told you that may apply to money. It may apply to something totally different in your life. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your relationship. But we ought to begin living because the Bible says the reality is, friend, I've kind of put this as as an ultimate goal, but the Bible actually says that's where we ought to live. The Bible says that anything that is not done of faith is sin. Wow. So I want to challenge you. I'm in the process of moving forward in my spiritual walk. Will you go with me? Will you trust God to do things that you can't currently calculate? That's hard for some of us, isn't it? Some of us are planners. Some of us are get all our ducks in a row. Some of us are make sure everything's nice and tidy. And God's saying maybe sometimes I just want to blow your nice and tidy out of the water. And do something that you never planned for. If you want to be a good manager of God's resources, you've got to learn to give faithfully. That is, friend, I'm telling you, I know that that goes against our nature. That is where God starts. You know why? Can you figure it out? Because we will have to trust him, won't we? He started, it goes all the way back to trust. But then number two, I believe God's word teaches that we should save it reasonably now as a younger christian i didn't believe in saving i thought it was wrong i didn't have enough anyway (laughs) i was in seminary and just getting started in college and all those kind of things so i didn't believe in it anyway but i thought it was wrong to hoard the lord's money and do you know what it is it is wrong to hoard the lord's money but there is a proper place for saving in wise living And financial counselors, even Christian financial counselors, will tell you, within reason, we should save some money. Now, why would we save money? Doesn't saving money say that we're not trusting God, but we're trusting in money? Well, we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. It's something, now listen, we've got to watch ourselves. We've got to watch out for this, don't we? We've got to be careful that we don't suddenly begin trusting in our resources and quit trusting in God. Putting aside too much can be moving us in that direction, but not necessarily. Or, like I used to worry about, doesn't it mean we're hoarding? Well, I've already mentioned to you Matthew 6, 19 through 20, but it tells us to be careful about that. It is wrong to hoard money. It's not wrong to store up things in heaven. But saving isn't always hoarding. So what are some reasons to save money? Well, we might say, rainy days now again be careful not to start trusting money it doesn't matter how much we try to set aside money cannot prepare us for every potential problem that's going to come in life but the bible does tell us it's wise to think ahead for low periods or it's wise to think ahead for unexpected expenses in fact many christian counselors will tell you that it's wise for people to have three months worth of salary set aside in case of a of a loss of job or a major problem or you know, I don't know what that would be. That's just something that somebody's come up with that, that maybe is a good answer. You may or may not be able to do that, but the Bible says, I believe, it is wise to consider the principle of having some backup to some degree. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says, There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise but a foolish man swallows it up. One author has said about this verse, with keen foresight and appropriate frugality, the wise prepares for the future, but the foolish man devours, squanders, swallows it quickly with no thought for a head. You ever heard of somebody about money that it burns their pocket? (laughs) No testimonies, okay? No wives jabbing your husbands, all right? You ever heard it said about somebody, if he's got it, he spends it? What does that mean? He swallows it up. Okay, going back to Proverbs 21, 20. A foolish man swallows it up. This idea of thinking ahead or preparing for the future is seen by the ant. God has a way of humbling us. Compare yourself with an ant. Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. Which, having no chief, officer, or ruler, what he's saying is, nobody had to tell her to do this. Get on board, people, is what God's saying. Prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. She works hard now and it pays off later. That's a principle in God's Word. Work hard now and it will pay off. Later, in regards to saving, one of the best examples in the Bible is Joseph in Genesis chapter 41. God spoke to Joseph about seven years of famine that was coming. But hey Joseph, he says, kind of be putting a little bit back because one day there's coming there's going to be seven years of abundance, and then one day there was going to be coming seven years of famine. So God told him to prepare himself and to prepare the nation, and actually God used him to prepare God's people and to rescue God's people. To prepare for seven years of famine. Now listen, we have to watch ourselves on this. As long as it is not taken too far, this can be considered a wise thing to do. It might help us to cover an unexpected expense or it might give us resources during a low period. Aren't there many seasonal workers in our area? Aren't there people who plow during the winter or maybe do, <clears throat> maybe do landscaping during the summer or maybe they work in Lake George and they have kind of a more of a resort kind of business? Well, wouldn't that person be smart to put a little bit back for the, le- for the next few months? If they spend it all this month, there's not going to be any income coming in certain months. Another reason for saving might be working towards a goal. In our culture, education is outrageous preparing for it ahead of time if possible would be wise wouldn't it maybe we anticipate large purchases that are coming down the road maybe you've you've made a commitment god's spoken to you about wanting to stay free as much as possible from the bondage of debt and so we might say you know what instead of charging it i'm going to save for the purpose of buying that in cash saving might provide us with the ability to give more spontaneously would it not Maybe there's going to be a need that somebody has, and so within reason to set some aside, to pray and ask God, Lord, how much would be reasonable for me to set aside and to have ready to use at a moment's notice when someone else has a need? Wouldn't that be a neat thing to do? That'd be a good reason. We might even save to make it grow. There are ways to invest money, to gain interest off of it, to make it grow. Sometimes that can be a great thing to do for the right purpose. In fact, God says in his heart, that's what he intends for all of his resources to do. Do you hear this principle? Matthew 25 verses 26 through 30 seems to indicate that God doesn't want his stuff to sit for no reason. God wants his stuff to be invested. God wants his stuff to grow, to make an impact, to make an eternal impact for him. That can be a good thing. It can be invested, and we can let it grow for some good purpose that he's led us to grow it for. That leads us to our next point. Number three, God calls us to give it faithfully. He calls us to save it reasonably, but number three, to use it wisely. The problem with talking about savings is that we're prone to think of parking it and letting it sit yes it can provide resources at opportune times yes it it can be grown through interest or through investment that's built over time but ultimately i believe god's word teaches his resources are not to be parked forever god intends for us to use his money god intends for us to use his resources to put them to work don't be afraid to use it that is what it's for even if it's being saved for a time, it should be saved for a purpose that God has put on your heart that you, he wants you to grow it for or set it aside for some reasonable amount of time. But ultimately, there ought to be a plan that that money, those resources would be used for God's glory. So what does God want us to use it for? Well, friend, we better take care of our family. 1 Thessalonians, First Timothy 5 verse 8 says this, But if anyone... Now, these are strong words. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow! That is a strong statement. If we do not provide for our own household, we have denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. We better take seriously... Our responsibility to take care of our families. God says, use that money. Use it for your family. A missionary shared with a financial advisor how he was having trouble supporting his family, talking about all the things that went into that. Well, the advisor began to ask the man about his spending habits, and immediately they were talking about his giving. This missionary told the advisor that he was giving 36% of his income to the Lord's work. He said, you know, years ago, I started out at 10%, as he should, as we already talked about. He said, I started out at 10%. He said, but I was challenged by a speaker at a conference one time that we ought to increase that 1% every year of our life. I hope he doesn't live to be 100. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Actually, he would get it, wouldn't it? If he started at 10? He had started at 10, but he had increased it every year. Now, that was a commendable goal, wasn't it? The the unfortunate problem was the missionary had not asked God about it. He had gotten a good idea that might have been good for somebody, but in his particular situation, God was clearly giving him a, here's your son, amen? You're not feeding your family. You need to reconsider. You need to rethink some things. As a result his family was suffering and he was actually violating scripture trying to keep a standard that god never asked him to keep how about the guy that's divorcing his wife and they've got kids that need to be taken care of but instead of doing that he goes out and buys him a new boat the bible says we better be careful about that we're going to have major problems with the lord we need to use his resources We better use his resources to take care of our family. But also, we've already talked about this, but we should use it to support God's family and his work in the world. We won't discuss that anymore, but I believe those are the two primary purposes that God has given us for generating income in this world. God has called us to generate resources so that we can support our family and we can support God's family. That's using God's resources wisely. Now, there's a lot more we could say, and I would just say to you, that uh, we in the future we want to have classes in our church for you to grow in this for to help you to understand and to think through some of these things but i want to leave you with a few ideas that i bring that i believe kind of spring forth from scripture just let me give you a couple of principles here number one develop a budget that's almost common sense but many people have never done it the wise use of resources would be to have an idea of what we're spending right to have some idea of where it's coming and going. So we may need to have an idea, first of all, of the reality of what we are spending, and then we may want to have a a, a perfect world or a a goal to get to of what we should spend or what we want to spend, and and then begin over time to bring those two closer together. Here's what we actually do, and here's what we would like to do. Again, there's lots of tools for that. Just to give you a website, there's a great ministry called Crown Ministry. Go to crown.org. There's some great resources and tools to help you. And, you know, many of us have just never had somebody sit down and say, here's a reasonable percentage in our culture for this expense or for that expense. And so here's a Christian perspective that can kind of help you think about that. Now, it's not hard and fast. Just like that missionary that took somebody else's number and ran with it for, for years. You need to ask God. God, show us. But it would at least give you a starting point to develop a budget. Here's a good one. When you spend... Pray about it before you pay for it. Amen? Oh, man. (laughs) Use wisdom. Listen, friend, what we're talking about here is watch out for the lure of our culture. The Bible talks about in 1 John 5, 16, it warns us about the lust of the eyes. Are you aware of that? We are very prone to seeing things and thinking what? Ah, there you go. I want that. If you go to a store and you're about to buy something, would you just ask yourself this question? Did I come here for this? (laughs) All right, now, that's not to say that if you didn't come here for it that you don't need it. But it's a good question to ask, isn't it? Did I come here for this? If the answer is no, think about it, ask God about it, and possibly wait about it. Proverbs 21, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent leads surely to advantage but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty it might be that you see other people living around your life living in your neighborhood or in your job situation or wherever people around you that you think you know what they probably have about the same income level as we do the same situation as we do but they look more comfortable they look like they're enjoying life more you know what it may be that this is the variable that's changing your life from theirs. It may be that you've made some hasty decisions standing at the register or the credit card machine that's made a big difference. I mean, it only takes a few purchases, doesn't it, to get us really stressed every first of the month? Especially be careful about charging things, about incurring debt. It's not necessarily wrong to have debt, but it can be very dangerous. The Bible says we should not get to the point of serving it, which is very prone to happen. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says the borrower becomes the lender's slave. That's the wisdom of God's Word. So it's wrong to become a servant to debt, and it's wrong to not pay it. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 21, the wicked borrows and does not pay back. Now, some people, some pastors are against totally, absolutely, unequivocally, don't even bring it up, against credit cards. Actually, I don't mind using somebody else's money for a month. But when I do, I have the money to repay it when it comes. The reason that I got credit cards in the first place was so that I could build up credit. Somebody told me you're never going to be able to buy a house if you don't have any credit history. So what I do, I started charging some things. I had the money. Every time I charged it, I could have paid it right then and there. But in our culture, you have to have some credit in order to be able to do some things. So I just used their money for a month. When the bill came, it was no sweat. I had it right there in an envelope. Or I had it parked in my checking account, sectioned off designated for that. We need to be very careful about not having the money. When we buy now, some of us might say, well, I'll have it by the time it's due. Warning flags, warning flags, warning flags. That may be possible, okay? I'm not saying you should never do that, but it always concerns me. I will have it when it's due. Well, I've seen too many people not have it when it was due. Something came up or they thought a a job was going to work out or whatever might have been anticipated. Again, not to say you should never do that necessarily, but be very careful about that. What's foolish is letting all that interest rack up. I know you've heard this, but maybe you had not and if you have, maybe you need to be reminded. Let me give you an example of what one author says about interest. If you buy $2,000 worth of furniture at 19.8% interest on a credit card, by making the minimum payments on that card assuming you don't charge anything else (laughs) it will take you 32 years to pay off that furniture and thanks to the interest you'll have around ten thousand dollars invested in that furniture wow we don't realize it do we young people man it's going to be awesome You're going to be getting out of high school soon, and when you go to college, all the mother load of money's going to open up. All these cards and all these minimum payments and all this money available, and oh, when I get to college and I can eat out every night and I don't have to call mom anymore, and and then the bill comes. (laughs) And then I have to drop out (laughs) and work hard to pay it off. There's a lie in our culture. We've got to be careful. Now, sometimes on a home or a large purchase, such as our building process, you might have to borrow for a short period of time. But like we're planning to do, our goal ought to be to pay that off as soon as possible, way before they're expecting. In fact, maybe, could I just challenge this for a second? Maybe we ought to think more like that in regards to buying a home. Instead of buying always all that we can afford, sometimes why don't we buy less than we can afford and pay it off sooner? Now, again, we need to provide for our family, don't we? I'm not saying live in a one-room shack, (laughs) you know, you got ten kids, and hey, guys, we're just loving the Lord. That's not what we're talking about. But sometimes we overdo it, don't we? Sometimes we know this is too much. (laughs) This is just stuff. We don't need all this stuff. Let's get what's reasonable and let's use the other in a more profitable kind of way. That goes counterculture to where we live. But I believe that's some of the things God would challenge us with. Well, hopefully the Lord used some of that to help you to think about being a better manager. There's a lot more we could say, but we've said enough for today. Are you being a good manager of God's resources in your life? Are you trusting Him? Isn't that what we've gotten down to? Are you trusting God? Friend, today, that is the issue in every message you're going to hear from New Hope. In every Bible study, in everything about our lives, are we trusting God? Have you ever put your faith and your trust completely in Jesus Christ? Are you giving faithfully to Him? Is He challenging you on what you should give? to just obey him on what you should give. Maybe he's challenging you to take a step further on what you could give, to sacrifice, make adjustments, not because I said so, not because you think everybody else here is doing it, but because you love him. Don't do it for one single reason except because I love you, God, and I'm considering this step because I want to demonstrate my love to you and I want to show that to you in this way. Amen, friend? Don't do it for anybody else. Maybe what you would give Man, what would God do? I'm, I'm seeing glimpses of it. But what would God do if this whole group of people started saying, God, what would you do? What would you do? Amen. That's where I want to live. You know what? I just want to commend you guys. I'm seeing that. Several of you over the last several weeks have just told me, you know what, Pastor, I just want to share with you. God has spoken to us about making some adjustments, and here's what God is doing. Oh, that's going to be awesome. There's going to be some great stories in this life. And by the way, if you have one, would you tell us about it? Would you tell us what God's doing? We'll be very careful not to make it bragging or not to make it telling somebody what you're doing to your money because we know God's Word warns against that. But we need to tell stories, don't we? We need to encourage one another, you can do this. Is that what God's challenging you to do? Do you need to be more strategic with what He's given you? Have expenses caught you off guard? Are you swallowing up what you have? Maybe you're one of those people that you just say, honestly, i got to tell you, since I was a teenager, every since I got a dollar, it cannot stay in my pocket. I'm one of those burns-the-pocket kind of people. Pray for me. <laughs> Maybe that's you. And you would just say, God, help me. I know that's not right. I know that's not your plan and purpose. Do you need to save a little within reason? And are you spending it wisely? Friend, are you here today and you're not really taking care of your responsibility to take care of your family? God takes that very, very seriously. Are you taking care of your family? Are you taking responsibility? Are you using wisdom in your spending decisions to spend it wisely? God wants you to spend it at some point. It may be now, it may be a little bit later. But he wants you to use it for a reason. One day, do you remember what we said? One day, that's what we're going to do with all the money. Just fold it up, throw it away. Are you using it right now for God's glory? Let's pray together. Lord, as we've studied your word... Over these last several weeks, I pray that you've continued to deal with hearts. Thank you for the reminder that really is is wrapped in the core issue of being too tied to this world. And Father, there's a lot of other issues we could talk about. Relationships, career choices, general direction for our lives, whatever it might be, God. But money seems to be, according to your words, something that really is dangerous for us. And yet it can be very powerful for you if we give it over to you. I pray that today you've spoken to our hearts. Lord, these aren't rules and regulations. Much of this is wisdom found in the Proverbs. God principles for living by it. And I'm not going to tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do absolutely unequivocally in this area except for the things your word says we should do. But Lord, I pray that these principles have spoken to us. I pray that you keep dealing with my heart, God. I want to be set free. I don't want there to be one area of my life that would not be pleasing to you. And God, I pray you keep growing me and my family and keep growing this family, God, that we could be the place you want us to be. Lord, if there's somebody here who's never received you, that is their core issue today, God, is trust, trusting you. We're talking about the area of money, but God, it's really about trusting in you. That's what faith is. And I pray today, Jesus, that someone will have realized for the first time that money is not where it's at, but God is who I need. And that today they would call upon your name and say, Dear God, have mercy just like... The skit we did a few weeks ago, God, dear God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner and I've done wrong, but I need you, God. And I trust in you and I receive you and your gift of salvation through Christ. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose again and I want to invite him to come into my life, wash my sins away and be my savior. Lord, we need to be set free today. Would you help us right now in Jesus' name? Amen.